Hi there, everybody. This is Sly Stallone. You may remember me from such classics as Rhinestone, Oscar, Schindler's List. It's a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. And my latest film, Reverse Mortgage the Movie. Anyway, I'm a very difficult to look at, very roided out old man, but I still have my pig titty. Oh, I'm sorry. Where, where are my readers? I can't. Oh, yeah, that's better. Big titty. I still have my big titties. Oh, shit. Those are my readers. That's an old pair of real 3D glasses with the lenses popped out. There's my readers. Dignity. I still have my dignity. And now that Michael Jordan has given up basketball and decided to usurp my role as the patriarch of the Rocky franchise with Creed 3, after we had a big fight about the title, I thought he should call it Kerthreed. But what do I know? I'm in the market for a new scam. I mean, legacy. And since all my Rambo ideas are too political for the lamestream meat eaters, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would personally love to see me kill Zelensky with a Chinese spy balloon, I've realized that it's time for the OTTCU, the over-the-top cinematic universe. What other film sees me grunt and cry with the added advantage of being able to sit down in chairs and lean against tables? That's perfect. The adventure begins next year with Over the Top 2, still topping, followed by Over the Top 3, Palm Sunday, and Over the Top 4, Handheld Messiah. Then we'll change things up a bit, because the Over the Top franchise isn't just about arm wrestling after all. There's also thumb wrestling, hand slapping, and finger banging. In that spirit, 2027 will celebrate the 40th anniversary of Over the Top with Over the Top 5, Rocky Paper Scissors, Over the Top 6, Cat's Cradle, Over the Top 7, Patty Cake, Over the Top 8, Patty Cake 2, Baker's Man, and Over the Top 9, Patty Cake 3, Baker's Man 2, as fast as you can. Then, on my deathbed, we'll wrap things up with Over the Tops 10 and 11, Carpal Tunnel, and Crippling Arthritis. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 91 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And it's been a long, long time since we chatted with you all. Oh. I predicted that might be the case at the end of our last episode, but this was longer than any of us had anticipated. Uh, in any event, we are thrilled to be back at it. And we are so grateful for your patience and dedication to this podcast. And now we are going to reward that dedication <laughs> by traveling back to February 13th, 1987, and the wide release of two cinematic classics, Sylvester Stallone's Over the Top and the Andrew McCarthy, Kim Cattrall comedy, Mannequin. But before we dive into the movies we should have talked about a month ago, where were we all in February of 1987? Nobody remembers. Wow. Jason, no, because I was waiting. I saw Dan's mouth start to form a word. 
and then he just froze. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait, did You're the like, screen did, freeze or did Dan freeze? Is he <laughs> doing Stallone oh, no. now? Is that's a good bit. I, anytime I can, that's a good bit, Fred. Anytime I can't think of anything to say, I'll just go. And then and just and then freeze like frozen. that. And then you guys will think I'm frozen. And then you can go it's on. the end of police squad. How old am I in during this? Oh, for God's sake. Uh, 87. So Okay, I'll go. I was in ninth grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Since our math hasn't gotten better in the last month. How does this podcast work? It's been so long. I forgot I know, how the podcast so works. Long. What do we I do know. first? Uh, I was in, I believe I was in ninth grade in February, 1987. Does that make sense, Jason? Right? Yes. Okay. Good, 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 good. Uh, and for some reason I go back to when I think about this time and I don't know why I think of my, uh, English teacher, Mrs. Harrington. Mm. And, uh, she, it was so funny. I was looking, I quickly just glance through my old yearbook, my yearbook from 1987, just to sort of get an idea of like, what was I doing around this time? And uh, I was looking at all the teachers and in my mind, they were so old and I'm looking at the pictures and I'm going, oh "Oh, God, I'm older now than they were then. I'm (laughs) sure. Like they they all look young and spry and, you know, Mrs. Harrington in my head was this older dowdy woman. I'm like, no, not at all. She was, she was, (laughs) you know, I'm an, old dowdy man now compared to, to her. Uh, so that, that was, that was a shock. Was she but, the going gets tough lady? Go no, no, tough. that was, that was Mrs. Hutchinson. That oh, was, that was a year Harrington earlier. Hutchinson confused. Yeah. That's, Harrington that's was, understandable. she was, she was very, uh, I, I seem to remember her being very strict, Ooh. but I, I jumped back to her because this was around the time, uh, this was, this is two months before the premiere of a little show you all might remember called the MTV Headbangers Ball. That premiered in April of 1987. And my God, was I excited for that. That must have changed your life, Fred. (laughs) It must have. It must have changed your life. Well, it did in the sense that I spent a lot more money on like VHS tapes because I would go and like I would would just set up my tapes in the VCR to to, to tape Headbangers. Because Headbangers Ball, I think it started- it was late and then yeah. it was also like right after school at times. So I would have to set it up in the VCR so I could tape it so I could catch everything. Mm-hmm. But this was right as I was getting into like hard rock and heavy metal around this time. And um, I remember my friend Cameron, who I've mentioned many times, and I may have told the story. And I, I, it was either this year or the previous year he transferred in from Queens and we were in the same English class. And that's why I think it might've been this with Mrs. Harrington. But I remember we had just met briefly and we all thought he was, there were, a rumor went around the school that he was a narc. We have no idea why. Someone started yeah. with that. Oh, he can't, that guy's a narc. He's yeah. a narc. 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street, yeah. Jump Street was that a big was on thing. TV yeah. And everybody's yeah. like, you start looking at your classmates. Like, yeah. mm. Any any <laughs> teacher that, that did look, any teacher or any student that looked too old or any teacher that looked a little too young, they were a narc. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was, and I think he had like a jean jacket. So it was oh, like, oh, it's got to be a narc. It's got to be a narc. But I remember. Peter DeLuise in Sheep's Clothes. What? Yeah. But he approached me in English class as 
as like the bell rang and we were leaving and we had j- just met briefly. Uh, and this is before we became, you know, good friends. But uh, he was like, hey, uh, do you, you want to go see Ozzy Osbourne with me next week? And at that point, I was terrified of him because that was right. That was still yeah. when I thought I was like, Ozzy Osbourne, he, he eats <laughs> doves. He's, he's Satan. He is Satan. He is. So obviously this guy who might, he's either a narc or he's one of Satan's minions. And I was <laughs> fucking, I was really, that, just the thought of going to see an Ozzy Osbourne concert was terrifying to me. But then cut to, you know, a couple of months later or whatever, we were listening to to Ozzy and 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 Maiden and Metallica together in his room. But for this class, we studied the it was the Odyssey. It was Homer's the I can't remember if it was the Iliad or the Odyssey. It was the Ooh. Odyssey. <clears throat> and for <clears throat> excuse me. For uh, we had to do a project together. So we so Cameron and I teamed up and we rewrote the Iron Maiden song, Run to the Hills, and we made the lyrics about Odysseus. Awesome. And uh, so instead of Run Very to the cool. Hills, Run for Your Lives, it was Lost lost in the Sea, Lost for 10 Years. Lost, lost in the Sea. Lost in the Sea. Lost for 10 years. Awesome. Jason will cut that because he always cuts yeah, when I say. I, I, I can't. I can't <laughs> take too much of that. I love it. I love and, uh, Bruce, Bruce. Is it Bruce Davison that you're doing? Bruce Dickinson. Bruce, Bruce Davison uh, was up for the Oscar for uh, Longtime Companion. Yeah. Longtime Companion. Bruce Harrington. Bruce Hutchinson. Harrington, Bruce Hutchinson. Bruce Dickinson. Davidson Dickinson. Emily Dickinson. <laughs> Bruce Davidson. But I just remember, and similar to your story, Jason, of bringing uh, the, the little robot in and playing yes, Kenny Rogers. Mm-hmm. We had to do the same thing. And I, God, I remember like, God bless my mom and God bless Ms. Harrington because at this point when I was getting into this music, like, I, I, you know, at that point we were driving around our station wagon with a tape cassette and I would just play, I would put in Iron Maiden's Live After Death, you know, on long road trips. And I'd be like, mom, okay, so listen, this song, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, it's based on this poem. Oh and gosh. she would very patiently listen and, Aww. you know, she must have hated it. But <laughs> similar, similarly, we, so we wrote the song and I remember we did it. Uh, on like a little typewriter that we had at home. We wrote it out and then we typed it in my room with the little white out and we wrote these, it was like Odysseus, blah, 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 whatever it was. And uh, we had to, we gave it to her, but then we had to bring it in and we brought the box. We brought like my old box with the tape cassette and in front of the class and, wait, wait, did we do it in front of the class? No, I think we just gave it to her. I think we were like, here's a tape. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and here are the lyrics. And so Miss Harrington had to go home or go in her office and listen to Iron Maiden. Or maybe she didn't. Maybe she was just like, all right, I trust that this is she better right. close enough. She's a good teacher. But you know what was interesting, too? I was doing no theater at all. This was the, the one year where I didn't do any plays. I was just sort of swimming, not doing anything. Did you yeah. not audition or were you not I didn't audition. I had no interest. I didn't want to do it. I was just sort of out of it. Yeah, it wasn't until the the next year where I did Oliver. So yeah, you were <laughs> you becoming know? a punk metal asshole that you, we all know and love today. You were you were <laughs> you were transforming into the little shit with the denim jacket and the patches on it that we all yeah. saw and 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 we affectionately termed, oh, that kid's a wait for it, dirt bag. Yeah, you're grooming yourself to be a faux dirt bag. I don't think you ever actually <laughs> wore a full dirt bag though, were you? No. no. 
No, I was never a full dirtbag. I was a cute <laughs> dirtbag. I was cute. I was adorable. You were very adorable. You were too cute to be a dirtbag, to be an actual dirtbag. The dirtbags were kind of scary. How, f- how fucked up is that, though? What? The, What's that? The, 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 too cute to dirt, be a dirtbag? No, you're, no, not that. <laughs> the, just that the, the dirtbag was a distinction that everybody knew. I mean, teachers would say, I mean, it was like, you know, it was yeah. like the straight, it was like, I, I remember a teacher in high school being like, paying me a compliment and she was actually a, a mom of one of my friends who was a substitute teacher at the school for a long time she was like you're uh she's like you know you're just so you're you're popular with everyone you're popular with the nerds the jocks the this that and the dirt bags and she's <laughs> like that and i was like i was like i don't think you're supposed to are you supposed to call them that is i didn't that's that's our word no i it was just like <laughs> I was surprised to hear adults saying that, like, you know, and it was just like, yeah, you know, and the dirt bags were outside smoking and they're, you yeah. know, just outside of the cafeteria and they were like, yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. It was a kind of a term of affection. It was kind of a, an endearing, you I know, so. uh, it just let me ask you, so, what's, what's, what's yeah. worse, dirt bag or sweat hog? Oh, well, if Gabe Kaplan's in the room, then dirt bag is worse because <laughs> you proud Gabe Kaplan. Sweat hog. Re- Returning to the podcast after yeah, we haven't had a Kaplan reference in a while. Episode break. <laughs> well, speaking of Gabe Kaplan, how are you doing in eighth grade, Dan? Well, that's what Is I was just going to say. Returning to the podcast in more ways than one because the cap, my Kaplan esque or Kaplan adjacent hair was was <laughs> was fully. Just expanding, expanding exponentially. Uh, this is when the pick comes in. I start picking the no, hair. you had a pick? Yes, of course I had a pick because one of my mom's friends was like, do you know what he should do with that naturally curly, lovely, beautiful hair that women go and get paid millions of dollars to get perms for? He should pick it. He should pick it out. And my and, and I went, yeah, that sounds, sounds reasonable. Idiot. It just made it b- b- bigger. It just made everything bigger. I looked like, you know... Uh, uh, Peggy Fleming had a, stuck her something in a light socket. Like it was, it was huge. It was a huge dome of uh, chia pet head. Like a dandelion. Like yeah, it was spores. Ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I look like something out of uh, that fungus show with the big head. The the uh, the um. Here's the thing about the dirt bags, though. I was such a wuss and was not, I was the opposite of Jason, not popular with the jocks, not popular with the dirt bags, but kind of getting to be, rising in popularity with the nerds, although I had my own small group, but the dirt bags were very scary to me. And yes, they're, they're, oh, yeah, of course, to me too, to everyone. But I couldn't. And they knew I, it. It was but like you were at the zoo. You'd look at them outside the cafeteria and right. they're out there smoking. And it was like, they are, they are, it's a different world. I don't want to get, a, if I wander out there, I could get eaten. Exactly. It was a totally different world. And here's the thing. Some of them were in band with us, you know, some of them were, were the drummers in band or played saxophone in band or whatever, because they were into music legitimately, you know? And, um, and so, but that was also scary because you kind of didn't look at them or, 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 you know, worry about them. Cause the, you know, the nerds like me who played euphonium in band, you know, it, it was like, even the band was, was a cast system. You know what I mean? It was like, you don't look at them and they're superior and they're, they have the jean jacket on with Metallica. Did one on of them it. ever put out a cigarette in your euphonium? Because that would have been amazing. <laughs> they would have been right to do How's it. How's your podium going? Psst, just drop it in there. <laughs> it goes all the way down into your mouth. And you- yeah. <laughs> well, the the and and uh, they w- they would have been right to do it because there was really nothing to be scared of. Really, 
You know, it was just if if you had just talked to a dirtbag, they they actually nice nice. I people. hate to bring it up again, yeah. but I love to bring it up again. That's all freaks and geeks. That's what that whole show is about. That's what that you whole know? show is about, and that's why it's a brilliant yeah. brilliant show. Um, but uh, even the I was scared even of the the album covers that would be on the backs of jean yes. jackets or oh, that people would bring in like iron maiden that F- fast eddie fast freddy uh, eddie the eddie the just eddie, eddie. just eddie <laughs> you just call him eddie <laughs> was oh, this, no, it's very scary was very the scariest scary. thing yeah. i've ever seen i was my like, friend my friend like a had a um, skeleton uh, my friend russ candell he had a, a jean jacket with the the cover of sabbath bloody sabbath on the back and that's because that literally just yeah. looked like devil worship. Yeah. No, no, and yes. I'm like, that's terrifying. Like the Black Sabbath stuff really freaked me out. Black Sabbath. Um, my, I don't even think this is a metal band, but my cousin had a, for Christmas one year, got a, uh, got a, an album called Molly Hatchet. Molly Hatchet. Yeah. And, uh, is that mm-hmm. a metal? Is that metal? No, not really. But it's funny that you bring that up because Molly Hatchet is one of the first uh, utterances in Freaks and Geeks. They talk as when Freaks and Geeks opens. It, they go underneath the uh, the bleachers, and James Franco and Seth Rogen and Jason, uh, whatever his name is, they're, they're talking about yeah. a Molly Hatchet album. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. No, they were just sort of like they were like classic rock. Like, but but okay. I agree with you. But looking you hear at that, that name, album, and you're scared. I thought I was I was like, well, now I have to go to church for six hours <laughs> because that is Satan. That is that is a satanic, you know, and so you were so convinced, just like I was so utterly convinced, like drugs are the worst thing that you don't do drugs because you will, you know, immediately go to the seventh circle of hell. If you yeah. even listen to or think about Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, this one, that one, the other, you, you, are, you have stepped into a void from which there is no return. And all those dirtbag kids, their problem is that they're already in that void. So that's what you want to uh, avoid, uh, avoid. Avoid the void. Avoid. It's kind of like the, the noise. It's, it's not, right. yeah. it's not <laughs> unlike the noise. You want to avoid the void at all costs. So it was very, very scary. So I never even heard that music, Fred, until probably decades later and probably because of you and, 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 and where you were like, you've never heard Run to the Hills? You've never heard, you know... Uh, time, uh, not time bandits, but time, <laughs> what's their big song? Their other big song. Wasted about, years. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Wasted years. Yeah. That was the song. Well, that was the album that came Amazing. out the, in, in 1987. That was the album that got me into him. And that was the video I remember seeing on Headbangers Ball, which so I was good. like, oh, oh, they're not so scary. No. They're not so scary. Yeah. But I avoided head, and we didn't have cable still. You want me so to I, I can sing a little Wasted Years if you want. Please do. Please do. So sing it. Don't waste your time always searching for those, those wasted years. years. I think I've discussed that on this podcast, and that's what we do. We, we just, waste we just our wait, time. We waste our time <laughs> searching for those wasted searching years. Searching for the wasted years. That yeah. is, that is, that's, yeah, we're going to change put, the name of this podcast to wasted years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he may be referring to drugs. I'm not sure. I'm just putting that out there. Wasted. <laughs> no. How are you wasting your time? In oh in, in tenth grade, yeah, Jason, yeah. Right? you were probably yeah, you were yeah. king of the world, right? You were a big shot. No, it's it's funny <laughs> that, that that thing that that teacher said that was because, you know the I was not popular with anyone at this point, but I it was this was right when I did stand up for the very first time, and once I started doing stand up was when like kids that I never would have even brushed up against in the hall, like, you know, they, they knew who I was and they, you know, gave it the thumbs up or whatever. But and um, the lady started <laughs> looking at you and giggling for a very different reason. 
He's I don't funny. Know about He's that, funny man. But, uh, <clears throat> no, this is right around the time I did. The, yeah, I, I had done in ninth grade. I had done the the talent show where I had done. I had written a little sketch, and and then in tenth grade, I uh, I was like, well, I'm going to try to write stand. I'm going to try to do something just by myself. So I did. I wrote like a, I did my first set, but it wasn't really a set because I was like, I can't. I, 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 I can't speak as myself. I was petrified to be myself in any way, shape or form. So what I did mm. was I just, I just played characters. I was just like a, it was like a weird savanty thing. Like I went up to the microphone. I never said, Hey, I'm Jason O'Connell. Hey, nice to be here. Or wealthy. This is again, the school talent content made no attempt to connect with the other <laughs> students or the teacher. I just went up. It was like Andy Kaufman. It was, I was, like, say, it was very Kaufman. Yeah. Well, it was just very like, I was, I got up and I just, I basically, I did an episode of, uh, church chat again everything was saturday night live uh, adjacent yes. the same way your hair was kaplan adjacent huge influence at this time on all gigantic us. and i was really obsessed with the show at this point and and my favorite was dana carvey and church chat. like like the church lady had eclipsed fernando in my in my uh, Ooh, in my in my estimation of like what is what is possible? What is gr- what is what is true greatness? <laughs> what is like, true marvelousness? It was it was it, it was so good. What true specialness, right? Well, isn't that special? I loved her so much. You went from marvelous to special because I remembered. I was like, I when I saw him do when I, this is when I saw Dana Carvey do on the first episode that he was on Saturday Night Live. First of all, he fucking killed that the way no performer has ever come into a first episode of a show mm-hmm. and killed their first episode. That was fall of 86. His very first episode does the first ever church chat. And I, my, my brain melted because I was like, I know these women. I know that woman. That's yes. exactly the woman who taught like catechism when I was a little yes. kid, I, like she oh like wearing the same clothes, the tone oh, of wow. voice, the things that she was saying. I was like, it was it was the greatest example of observational humor I'd ever seen. I was like, wow, he really, this is like something I've seen in life and would never have thought to parody or emulate. And he's right. doing it. And I thought it was amazing. And then in that same episode, he did that chop and broccoli sketch. The, the that was all only, the same episode. That was his first episode of Saturday night life. And he, and that character just came to that, that bit. That was like a thing he did for his audition. They put it in the first episode a fucking classic. I can't think of wow. anything else that's like and Sigourney Weaver's in that, right? Sigourney Weaver was the host. It was a great, great episode. Anyway, great but show. so I was doing the church lady and it was the church lady interviewing like 10 people. And it was every, all the, th- it was Schwarzenegger and Stallone and Pee Wee Herman and Ronald Reagan and Freddy Krueger. How come you've never opened an opening weekend episode with that? That's brilliant. Yeah. With what? It's right with there. The, with you with doing the church, church chatting all of the people because we've not we haven't reviewed a Dana Carvey movie because he's oh. made three so <laughs> when we t- I feel like he fell out of favor and I was actually I feel like I was listening to it might have been him on Mark Marin or something but it yeah. was I I feel like people are now recognizing him or maybe he's always been recognized but there's I think a, a, a huge respect for him in the in the the comedic world of like yes. no that was. He was the guy, yeah, but it is yeah. interesting that he never, the, he didn't he's have like a Will Ferrell funny. type thing. Yeah, yeah. he's great. He's and I listened to that interview. Funny. I forgot. I was like, wow, he is 
he is funny and smart and quick. And you sort of write him off as like, eh, well, he's the church lady and that's all he does now. But yeah. you forget how huge that was at the time. But it is interesting that he didn't really uh He's really good. Yeah, I know that he didn't, he didn't blow up in that way. And it's so funny, like, why some people who are so big on that show don't. Yeah, don't make the leap for well, one so reason. So, did or you another. blow up? Was it was it was a hit? Your show? It was. Of it, was, a, it, was. it was. It was very. It was very successful. And then I, you know, and I won the talent contest. So I got a hundred dollars. Oh, That's the Ooh. most. That was the top prize. First prize was a hundred. And I was like, yeah, it just. And the funny thing is, the really sweet thing is, I remember like practicing it. Like my mother was very worried because. I had never done anything like this. And she, even though I had done the little sketch thing the year before, like this idea of me going up on stage alone in front of the whole school, just talking, like it freaked her out. So she would like, and she'd be like, do you want to do some of it for me? Do you want to tell? And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I'd just be in my room and I would be like recording with my tape recorder. I would like record, I had written it out and I'd record the voices or I'd kind of improvise stuff. And then I would listen to it back and transcribe it and stuff. But I would like just kind of lock myself away in my room. And she would, I could tell she would be at the door, like listening or whatever. She really wanted me to let her in because she wanted to be like, don't do that. Don't say that. Like, you know, like yeah. advise me or be like, maybe not, honey, or this. But I, I was like too embarrassed to do that. I was like, I can only do it in front of everybody at once. Like I couldn't try it out for anyone. I think I would lose my nerve if anybody, because I was like, that's not the right forum. Like to sit there, even yeah. with a couple of friends and like try, it's like, I'm not going to get any, anything close to the reaction that I would hope to get. So, you know what I mean? Like I, you couldn't meet her halfway. You had to go over the top. <laughs> Exactly. Because uh, for that, I mean, for that is a hundred dollars. You can buy an, uh, a new like eighteen wheeler with that. Uh, you can buy a your matchbox own matchbox version. A to- right, yeah. Right, yeah, a Tomka eighteen wheeler. Tomka. Oh my god, the the truck is one of the stars of this. I like how the truck comes to graduation. Like he's Optimus Prime. The truck shows up in different situations like he's going to transform into another character. But we'll get to that over the top. The world has always bet against Lincoln Hawks. This guy's nothing. Why'd you leave us? It won't happen again. What my grandson found, I don't care how you do it, do it. But a winner never listens to the odds. Whatever happens, I want you to stay with him. Where'd we end up? Together is all I can guarantee. You ain't got a prayer in Vegas. Sylvester Stallone is a truck driver with a lucrative sideline and competitive arm wrestling. When he takes his estranged 12-year-old son, played by David Mendenhall, on the road with him after the boy's mother falls seriously ill, Stallone does all sorts of fatherly things, like pimping his son out as an amateur arm wrestler in diners and allowing the preteen who has never been behind the wheel of an automobile to drive their mammoth big rig on the fucking interstate, nearly killing themselves and numerous unlucky motorists in the process. As father and son head for Las Vegas and the arm wrestling world championships, the boy's wealthy, unfeeling, oh-so-tan grandfather, played by Robert Loggia, sends a bunch of thugs or henchmen, or I'm not sure what this grandfather's deal is, to put a stop to the family bonding road trip and send Stallone packing for good. Over the Top lives up to its name in many regards, but not at the box office, where the film stalled out at roughly $16 million after a $5.1 million opening week. Fred and Dan, 
what you guys think of time. No, please, Dan, I want to hear, I'm dying to hear your thoughts on uh, the Kenny Loggins song. Oh, you yes. want to start with that? I, I, well, right. I don't know. I, it's You piqued my interest. You, okay. Yeah, well, theory about well, Meet Me Halfway? Here's my theory on it, okay? What we what what the song's lyrics are, meet me halfway across the sky. Meet me halfway across the sky. But what you hear, those are the written lyrics, but what you hear is <laughs> meet me halfway across this guy. And that is literally <laughs> what they're doing. They meet halfway across the guy across the table when you put your hand up to the other guy's hand. And that's where you meet them is halfway across this guy. And then you got to go over the top. You got to go over the halfway point to get the hand down. And that's the, it's, it's the brilliance of logins, whether it's this, whether it's uh, I'm all right, which is mm-hmm. that's a microcosm of Caddyshack. Which danger uh, zone, danger zone, Footloose. Okay. You've you got to cut Footloose. Got to cut your feet off, you, like they did in that movie. <laughs> oh wait, that was Saw. Cut your feet loose, Saw. Uh, the I mean, it's just more Loggins' brilliance. It's more Loggins' brilliance, and I didn't it, know that is that the that best that thing movie. about the movie when that when the song came yeah. on. I was like, I was like, oh, this is a real song. And Loggins <laughs> that was popular. is Loggins is doing what what I'm kind of doing during during the movie, and and he because Sylvester uh, uh, um, uh, Stallone forty six times in it says. The world will not meet you halfway. That's the big lesson. The world's not going to meet you halfway. And then Loggins is like, very true. Yeah, but it kind of will. It's kind of does meet you halfway. You Wait, have to meet did he it say halfway. that? Yeah. Did he actually? Because yes. I couldn't hear a word he said. He, <laughs> that was he my takeaway that Sylvester Stallone said, okay, I'm going to do this script. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play. This is going to be my most genteel character ever. And I'm going to go really soft. Yes. And we'll talk like this the whole time. And I'm going to keep everything in a voice, but I'm not going to read my mind. You're so tan, Robert. Look, so tan. So tan. That was like, I mean, it was it was admirable, but I was like, what is, speak up. Speak up. I don't know what you're saying. But it was, I, I'll, I'll give it this. It was a Sylvester Sloan we've never seen before. And he, 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 he really committed to it. Yeah. He's very different from his, from his character in, in, uh, in Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. He's very different from that character. Well, he's, you know, he has like, for like a big macho action star, he's, he's, he has a strain of sensitivity that runs him from Rocky. He's, he, he has that ability and he accesses it and, and you believe it. I can believe him as a wounded person. I can believe him as a, mm-hmm. a caring person, yes. a loving person. I think it, it, it's a, there's been several films where it's like he's as a father figure. You f- feel that warm. I mean, I, this movie's weird because it's like it's it's so bad. And yet it's like, well, it's I mean, you know, it's like got the kid heart. Is, the, it has heart. The kid is the, I think the kid's good for a kid in this movie in an arm wrestling movie where he plays like this kind of military school kid and then mm-hmm. they, they rip off the, the, the sleeves of his jacket. He looks like Schneider from one day at a time for half the movie. And, and he's got to like, you know, I mean, these ridiculous situations they put him in. I, he's also I, got a terrible lines to read. That's the thing. Like I was going back and this forth This is getting a saying, little intense. Doesn't he say he, that at one point? He like, does. I wrote that down. And he goes, you're, you're aggravated. 
I mean, what kid uses the word yeah, aggravated? The script is weird. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. I thought the kid was good, like, or 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 had charm, had 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 warmth and charm, and I thought he was they emotionally had available. Some he nice went chemistry there. together. I can't even believe I'm saying this, you know, giving this many kind of props. But I like the relationship, and I remember seeing this in high school. I saw it on opening you weekend. You did see it, okay? Wow. I saw it because, well, I was, you know, this was in really in the '87 is like right in the thick of like I see oh, everything. Yeah. Every weekend, like that's my thing. I go to the movies mm-hmm. every weekend. With, and Stallone was huge. He was gigantic. And this was that was the other thing is that this was. I remember this so well. This was a big deal. This was like you know that that really that chintzy studio, Canon Studios. Like yes, they, that's Canon that's Golan Globus. Globus. Golan Golan Globus. Globus. Yeah, this, this was their big year. Their big coming out party as like a legitimate studio, and it was. They had the lineup was over the top. The big thing was we got Sylvester Stallone Mm -hmm. and we're making the new Superman movie. Like we've got like Mm -hmm. these are like things that we shouldn't be able to do as a little film company. We have the biggest movie star in the world and we have like a big sci-fi franchise and that. And then they also had Masters of the Universe and they had a bunch of other movies and every single one was shit. Everyone was made on a shoestring. No, they'd like uh, undercut the budget on everything. Like they paid Stallone his money. Everything I feel like else. they did a lot of the Van Damme. They might have done Kickboxer or some stuff, of those. All, all, all yeah. that stuff and all the missing in action hmm. movies, all those things. Like they were, they had like done all that kind of stuff. Like Jack. Yeah, yeah, like things, but basically movies about kicking each other and like Vietnam and, you know, and, and cyborgs and stuff. And then they were like trying to legitimize. And this, I think they thought was going to be, cause I remember as a kid being like, okay, well, this is weird. He's going from boxing and stuff to like arm wrestling. It felt like a parody in and of itself. Like I remember thinking the like, same thing. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a joke. Like, Oh, now it's just going to be like armor. It just feels ridiculous. And then you see the movie and you're like, there's not even that much arm wrestling. And that as, no. a, as a kid, I remember being like, not that I really thought the arm wrestling would be good or compelling, Although it's fine to watch people arm wrestling. <laughs> I guess it's the, the same way Kickboxer 2 is probably the greatest movie ever made about people <laughs> kicking each other. This is probably the best movie you're ever going to get about people holding hands and pushing. But, um, well, but if you, but if you listen, if you besides want. Besides Angel Eyes, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if you want more arm wrestling, apparently, according to our good friend Tim Warenko, there's yeah. plenty of it in the novelization of over the top. I remember in that. anticipation I remember of this there was episode. A novelization. Yeah, there were novelizations of everything. Like, I know. Everything. And I was like, well, a novelization of an arm wrestling match, but of course it's there's a bigger story or not a bigger story. Is it by Nicholas Sparks? Because if it is, I'm in. I'm in. No, in the Nicholas novelization. Sparks. It contains a flashback where Lincoln Hawk, that's his name. Let's just go back and remind everyone that that's his name, Lincoln oh, Hawk. I'm sorry to sidebar. Hawk sometimes, Hawks other times. Many people call him Hawks in the movie. Many. And the oh. movie does not seem to know whether his last name is Hawk or Hawks. For a good chunk of the movie, I thought his last name was Hawks and his nickname was Hawk. That's because he was speaking name, so low. You couldn't understand it. When it no, goes. but everyone calls him that. And, and But his nickname is actually Link. Another thing that makes no sense in the movie. Please continue. <laughs> so many things. Anyway, no it contains a, the novelization contains a flashback where Lincoln Hawk spends time in the <laughs> desert with Native Americans learning the ancient craft of arm wrestling. Oh, now of you're course. talking. Now of you're course. talking. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. There is no explanation 
of why he does this or, you know, I mean, it's an interesting subculture uh, and it obviously really exists, you know, sure, but there's just sure. no explanation of of why he's doing this. There's no, there's no backstory, you know, there's, why is he driving the truck? Why is he arm wrestling? Why, why did, he, did leave? he leave the family? Yeah. I thought it's it was going to be something thing. that the grandfather was involved in, like, kind of like, you know what I mean? I thought it was some That's machination. missing piece Maybe of because Logia was so tan. He was like, I gotta, I gotta get away. You're too tan. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, there's only really like one tan. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, there was just no, it was, you're right, Jason. It's, it's a really, it's a, it's, it's a really bad movie, but there's a lot of heart to to it and they're putting a lot into it like Stallone you know I'm giving him shit about you know not speaking over a whisper but you're absolutely right he's He's one of the, the most likable actors out there. I yeah. mean, he's he's really yeah. good at what he does, and he's he's never he doesn't he never gives a bad performance. I was just right. watching Copland the other night. And I'm like, he's great. God oh, damn, he's, he's good. He's Stallone he's is wonderful. He's yeah. so good. Yeah. There's a reason Rocky only became what it was because of Stallone and no who question. he is. If you don't have yeah. someone so likable and so charming and so good, it would never become that franchise. He would never be. We we wouldn't be talking about him now. So he he does do a good job in this. The kids good. It's just a ridiculous character with ridiculous lines. It's like, you know, he's speaking lines that Logia should be speaking. Right. Um, and Logia's no good because he's always good even though it's like a nothing kind of part, but he's, you know. It's one note. It, but it, yeah, it just but doesn't, nothing really makes sense. There's all this heart, but you're like, but why really? Like well, then, how, uh, how does he have the relationship with his wife? The mom's just going to like, he just, he just comes to pick up his kid. They're just going to let the kid go with his dad who he hasn't seen in years. Like none of that makes sense. It doesn't make any sense. You don't. And again, it's like, why did you leave? There's no reason. He loves his son. He loves his wife. The wife still loves him. There's no, like, there's not even a line. I don't think about like, well, we, we had a tough time. We could Lived yet. Maybe there is. I mean, we watched no, this movie two months not. ago, so I don't. You Maybe know. in the novelization the, during his vision quest, you know, he saw something <laughs> in the desert, but I don't know. You get the impression that he's committed some crime. That it's not like murder or something horrible, but but oh, but that, see, that's I never even something. That. You get the impression that he's spent some time in the slammer, or that he's committed a crime and had to go on the run, or that there's there are lines to indicate that he did some bad things. Now, what those things are never gets revealed. You keep waiting for them to get revealed, but it never does because that would have been a nice scene between them of like you know, oh my god, you did this. You know, um, that's and and then they have to wrestle with the, the realities of with the him past. Because Logia gets no like, like you know, Logia's like just on this mission. He's just a cartoon villain. He, like he wants yeah. the grandson. He doesn't want the father to have him. He like sends every every middle aged man he can find to go <laughs> get the guy. There's not even like it's not Terry even Funk, like, the great wrestler, the, the 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 legendary wrestler Terry Funk is, is, he one is of the, the guy. Is the, he's the is guy the, who, the, who um, he's one of the henchmen. He's the guy who who um, Stallone throws through the window. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Terry yeah. Funk, who who is um, one of the first sort of you know quote unquote hardcore wrestlers, like with the blood ah. and the and the the implements and the you know. He, oh, Terry funny. Funk was 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 a real real actual tough guy. The Funk brothers were like you know one of one of wrestling's first like actual tough guy duos. Mm-hmm. And they they were they were <laughs> they, they, and they, in that in that um, 
um, in one of the wrestling documentaries, uh, 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 Beyond the Mat, um, they talked oh, right, to Terry, yeah. you know they talked to Terry Funk and and Jake the Snake Roberts and some of those old timey tough guy uh, wrestlers a lot. And Terry Funk talks about how bad his knees are and stuff like that. It was nice to see Terry Funk in this thing. Actually, kind of brought me all yeah. the way back. Yeah. Speaking of tough guys, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, Mr. Harris, um, that the kid. Who, that was going back to my Ed Harris. I'd be oh, remiss if I didn't oh, say. Oh, no, oh you God. didn't bother David Menden. No, but David Mendy, who, who, whatever his name is. Mendenhall. Speaking of tough guys, he played a 12-year-old drug dealer in a very special episode of a sitcom I like to call Different Strokes. What? Which was the one that featured a guest appearance by Nancy Reagan. You talking about Mrs. Reagan? <laughs> He was the yes. drug dealer in that. He was oh the dirtbag? I would never <laughs> He have was got... the dirtbag. How did he go from, wow. from military academy to dirtbag? Because he's we got call the that range. range. He he's has got that the range. range. <laughs> we exactly. call that range. We exactly. call that range. <laughs> exactly. Oh also, meanwhile, this kid, I forgot, like, this kid jumped in a truck. He learns to drive, and then he jumps That's in amazing. a 12-wheeler, and he drives from Bel Air to Vegas? Or he goes at least to the, airport. To the airport? He went to the airport. But, like, crying well, on, the, on the freeway. Way, at least I he had at least at it. least that had a payoff because yeah. I was, when he first gets behind the wheel, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? As I said <laughs> in the description, I'm like, I, I couldn't I couldn't get over it. I'm like typing in all caps. I'm like, I'm like what is going on? Was like, it's not like you're in a parking lot or you're like, you know, you're in the fucking. It's not like, well, we pulled over for gas and here's an area where you can try to move the bigger. He just says, like, go on. Have you ever driven anything? No. I, I, it's horrifying, and then, but at least there's a bad. It's like, well, he didn't. He didn't kill anybody, so I guess he yeah. can get behind the wheel and get himself. The, the checkoff because, gun did go off. Well, yeah. did, I mean, yeah. yeah, because it's like there's no other way for this kid to get anywhere. <laughs> He's a 12 year old kid, and everybody who has uh, uh, control over him in his life would not take him where he needs to go. So I was like, well, all right, you figured out a way to get him to the airport. Taxi, taxi, taxi. I mean, there are cabs too. There's there are a lot of ca- there are cabs. What a stupid son of a bitch! Um, there were a lot of reaction uh, uh, shots of him just making like anguished faces in oh, that yes. truck cab and just crying. I mean, like I said, he was the kid's emotionally available. Uh, apparently, could, he's a really big called, uh, 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 animation actor right now. He does uh, cool. tons of voiceovers. Well, you know what's so funny is. He his voice sounds like an and like he sound. I kept thinking I was like he sounds like a Peanuts character. I mean I think I think the kid's good, but like when I yeah. close my eyes, the tone of his voice he sounded like you know totally. like Linus or somebody. But um, he's got a good voice for animation and voiceover. I I, I have to say you know it's like when you think about the movie and you're laughing at it in just a, as a thought, just as a, a concept, you're like how do you make how do you make anything about arm wrestling like dra- dramatic or iconic or interesting right. or how do you or what the this thing about turning yeah. well turning turning his cap backwards like yeah. it's a superpower like it's right. a grin and out he, of your face and yeah. then also like that you got to put the thumb over the top like as if that's a, a secret that nobody else could <laughs> could know it's not it's it's madness it's sheer the madness thumb over the top that's what it was over the top is just about that's his trick that's what it is just yeah. his thumb it's, over the top it's his trick, but it's a stupid, like, you know, and I, and I actually was like, I would imagine. That's what Dan is doing. That. Dan do literally that. just, Dan just had his cap on for the, because you can't see this. Dan just yeah, turned his cap backwards and got his hands ready to hand fart. That's, yeah, well, that's his trick. That's, that's how Dan. 
that's See, where that's it goes it. over the top too. Yeah, it's very over the top <laughs> too, and it's a it's a it's a um, a manualism uh, competition instead of arm wrestling. <laughs> that would be great. I, it, it felt like um, I just have to say, like all the stuff with the with the arm, with the arm wrestling and all of this, it felt like at the midway point, I was like, this is like the Weird Al Yankovic movie that's on Roku, like where it's like it's right. so like it's playing it so so straight, but it's so fucking ridiculous simultaneously. I was like, this is like. A parody. It's like the Weird Al Yankovic movie. It, it, it for a for a brief shining moment, it operated on that level, and I was like, "Oh, that's the amazing thing about the Weird Al movie is that that movie for an hour and a half it finds this." This 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 level at which to play at this frequency at which to play at yeah. and it hums on that frequency for an hour and a half and never kind of dips it never gets like too <laughs> ridiculous or too it likes it knows what it is and it's hist- I laughed the whole way through this movie hit a sweet spot that was like that for like five minutes and then it was you know it, it could not satisfy me on that level well, anymore. You, you forget that that's what eighties movies used to used to do. They used to find that groove and be in that groove. And there would always be a, a workout montage and there would always be six or seven or in this case, 12 rock songs. No, I mean, and there I would mean, always this was working be a, as parody, um, not as yeah. the thing that was being parodied. Yeah. This was working as a parody of itself for a, 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 a few moments, I thought. But they're not trying to do that. You know what I mean? They're no, just I saying it, no, it's, no. it's sort of a great, both of these movies this week are sort of the greatest hits of, of 80s tropes. And gentlemen, yes. oh, yeah. that's why I'm, I liked this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you really liked Over the Top. Oh, for fuck's sake. You really liked it. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in middling to high Sheila territory wow. uh, with this movie. This was, I mean, this was... So I had not, I had only seen the end of it because I was so into wrestling and and you know and and this sort of taps into those same sort of you know um, uh, middle school I need to somehow to get more testosterone whether it's through a movie whether it's through eating more meat you know I need somehow to get more hormones <laughs> picking into your the hair. system picking my hair out you know picking your uh, nose uh, corn in the picking the crack, corn out of so, your crack uh, any, <laughs> <laughs> any way I can to get fewer vegetables and more hormonal meat uh, into the system. But this, this movie, you know, really. um, So I tell my wife every night, honey, fewer vegetables, more hormonal meat. So put the carrot away. I can satisfy you. I promise. My stars. No. All right. Use the zucchini. Sorry. Go ahead. I can't speak. I'm so lame. You guys. When the mother died and he goes running out, I cried. I teared up. That's how lame I am. I thought that the, the I thought that the the uh, the ending um the ending uh, uh uh whole the entire ending arm wrestling sequence all those sequences I thought were very well shot and very well paced and for an arm wrestling movie that was pretty well put together by Menachem Golan. You know what I mean? It's like okay, you you, you <laughs> no, know no. what you you know how to build. Tension through editing, whoever his editor was, in this moment. If only Menachem Begin had that, really that timing, Menachem things Begin. might have gotten better. He got Menachem Begin, or Menachem Begin, as I called him for 
forever. <laughs> oh, um, boy. And, but there's something about Don't me. knock them if you haven't tried them. <laughs> Don't <laughs> knock them till you've tried them. <laughs> Listen, uh, I, no, I agree with you. I thought that I was like, the arm wrestling is done as well as you're going to do arm wrestling. As well as you're going to do arm wrestling. Uh, yeah. That's I the thing. Yeah. All the, exactly. And I like that all the characters were like, just so, you know, yes, over the top. Over they the top. were, but in the way wrestlers are, they're all characters. The one guy eating the cigar, I remember that. And I was like, oh, you know, I loved that. All of this sort of, yes, I loved that it was sort of inadvertently self-parodying itself, but it was just so fun to me. It was just, I was just gleefully <laughs> just giggling and laughing. Yes, at it, but yes, with it in yeah. equal measure. And I just, I was in Leprechaun territory. I was in Critters, oh, wow. you know, territory. I was in Hidden Gem territory throughout this thing going, oh, wow. oh now there's going to be this. Oh my God, now they're doing a montage. Well, it is oh like- my God, now they're doing this stupid thing. Oh my God, now we have a Kenny Loggins. You know, it, it's like, it's, it, it's everything that the, it, this movie is the 80s, and I just, I enjoyed it. I was smiling. This would be a great midnight movie. This would be a great movie to screen somewhere. Totally. You know what I mean? Like a midnight yes. movie. I think it would be really fun. Like, and in the ways that, now I have not seen The Room, but like, oh yeah, in right. the way people talk about, like, 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 not just in, all the things you're saying are on the money. Yeah. Eddie money. No, uh, <laughs> No, all well, the things you're saying on this soundtrack too. Oh, well, <laughs> and which I need to talk about at some point because there's oh. some crazy stuff with the soundtrack. Oh, okay, um, no, but just to say, like, but even things that are like those those little chef's kiss moments that you pick out of bad movies, where you're like. Yeah. This why why was the scene staged this way? Why why at the mother's funeral? Everybody's at the funeral. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, not. It's okay he's there. Nobody yeah. kicks him out. Nobody said you can't be here. Right. I, you can say like, well, he knows he's not wanted or whatever, or we want to make a moment of him. Co- but him coming in all in all denim, he has the mm-hmm. respect to wear black denim as the shirt. <laughs> he comes across the, the cemetery during the... As, he interrupts as, the priest. He interrupts yeah. the priest. He comes in with a big bouquet of flowers, throws them down, and then walks back out. Nobody else misses a beat. The, the kid looks up Robert Loja looks up for a second as if that's a thing that you do as if like it's black great. sheep family members come to funerals walk across a field throw something and walk off and nobody makes mention of it yeah it was per- also, it was like kind of my favorite moment in the movie in a weird way I was like this is fantastic but this also is just can fantastic. Link can Link Hawk Hawk Link not show up for anything on time he's at the graduation <laughs> late he's at his own <laughs> wife's funeral late it's like what well, do you, you have, have you can to find do? parking you, with that thing you, you, you do <laughs> Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime comes to a cemetery. Most like, of it should do? be him looking for parking. Yeah, that should be most of the. <laughs> My favorite thing was I, I was not as tickled as 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 you guys were. I agree. It like this is both movies are pure eighties. Like the the worst totally. part of the eighties just amplified. Um, the thing that made <laughs> me laugh part, the most, or, the best part, or, or possibly the best part. Sure, yeah. The thing that made it's me laugh the most, and I and I, and I mentioned this earlier, the, the ADR for some reason, the ADR <laughs> actors were killing it. They were louder than Sylvester Stallone because you. You would just hear these like, oh, that's the husband. Oh, he's a loser. Hey, what the hell is that kid doing there? There was like all of that so and all the group scenes. You would just hear these yeah. like really poorly dubbed lines just thrown in there. Yeah. But they told this. I think they were like, we don't have a story. Let's tell it through our ADR actors. <laughs> 
you know, oh, just yeah. just in case they don't know that Sylvester Stallone in the guy in the black denim is the husband. Yes. We'll just, can, sir, can you come, Menachem, come over here, just say in this line, <laughs> hey, that's the husband. Great. Print. Menachem there was says a lot of that. Himself, Menachem, come over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a lot of that. I also, I'm just looking at my notes that I wrote. I said, the kid isn't bad. He's just a lot. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I, I thought he's he's playing it like he's Mary Stuart Masterson, um, which I, I guess so. <laughs> which is a good um, thing. Which is a, good, a great thing. All you wanted to do was embarrass me. Well, you did it, okay? Grandfather always said you were a loser. Now you're trying to make me one, and I hate you for it. Mike, I don't care what your grandfather thinks about me, okay? All I care about is you. Now, you lost back there because you beat yourself. You let yourself get beat. That's what she said. That's my joke. Damn it, Dwight. But you mentioned Eddie Money and the music because both of these movies, it's really all about the music. Mm. And I thought this was fascinating. So Eddie Money does sing a song, but only... No, he sings two songs. He sings the song, I Will Be Strong. He also sings the opening song. You mentioned Cheap Trick earlier in the opening. Mm. Robin Zander, the first song in the movie is a song called In This Country. And I got excited because I go, oh, this sounds like Robin Zander, who's one of my favorite singers of all time from Cheap Trick. So strangely, he does sing it. But in the international version of the film, Eddie Money sings it. Hmm. So Listen, if you're si- Eddie Money is very big in Siberia. He's very big in Uzbekistan. Wherever this I played, mean, where Eddie I thought Mo- that I mean, was, I thought that was strange. Overseas. Also, the other great song, uh, besides uh, the great Kenny Loggins' uh, uh, "Meet Me Halfway," is "The Winner Takes It All." Yes. That was yeah. my favorite song. I remember when this movie came out. That was uh, the lead singer John Wetton, who's the lead singer of oh. Asia, sang it, but. The producers thought that his voice wasn't mean enough, so they gave it to Sammy Hagar. A Hagar, I was going to say. Yeah, that was that's, that's the Hagar song. And I just thought I've never heard of such. There, there seemed to be a, a, a lot of uh, back and forth with the music in this. It's, 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 I was surprised well, that that was such a big 80s, thing. That's like the most important part of yeah. your movie, really. The soundtrack yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is as important, if not more important than... The, the content of the film for a lot of things, right? I mean, that's because the most memorable thing about this movie is that Kenny Loggins song. And yeah. and the most memorable thing about Mannequin is the fucking Starship song, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 so it's, it's just the era. So the attention paid to every minute detail of, of that music. aspect of the movie well, another thing far to sell. surpasses what, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's another thing to sell. You go down to your... Uh, your local uh, Tower Records or Radio Shack, and you pick that yeah. up too. You know what I mean. So um, you're saying that for your Sheila rating, this this you're going over the top over uh, over a five Sheila to recommend this. I'm quite significantly over five. I'm going wow. to seven point five for over said top. I'm in Jason with his hands in front of his face and is wiping his tears away. Well, I. I, I have been (laughs) in this business 52 years, but no, I, I was like, I think I'm on the line. I was like, I'm going to, I was like, I'm going to give it a five. And I felt crazy doing that. And I was like, I'm going to give it a five because my perception of it has always been that it is like so bad. 
And it is. But yet I was like, I'm watching it. I'm kind of compelled by it. I want to see what happens. I was finding things to enjoy. Yeah. Whether it's like, oh, he's good in that scene. Oh, the kid's good. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's unintentionally funny. Oh, that's actually shot well. Oh, that song is good. Like whether it's whether I'm enjoying it for a good reason or a bad reason, I was kind of consistently enjoying either picking out its flaws or being like, oh, that surprised me. That's right. But I, but I can't say like, you got to go see it, but I'm also not going to be, you know, sometimes I'm like two Sheila's. No, I'm going to give it, I'm going to go ride the line. I'm going to ride the line and you know, maybe 5.25, maybe the thumb creeps over just enough to say that as as a, as a midnight movie, again, under the right circumstances, I can't say go home tonight after work and watch this. Like, you know, I can't advise that, but if you got a little group of people, you're a little drunk or stone or yeah, got a pizza. <laughs> Maybe you yeah. could, if you remember the eighties fondly and remember what was, because anybody who doesn't would be like, are you crazy? This is just yeah. dog right. shit. So it's like, no, no, no. But if you're of the, if you are our age, you'll be like, oh my God. Remember when yeah. movies were like this? Yeah. So I'll go 5.25 for over right. the top. Yes. I'll give it a five. I was going to go lower, but you know, I feel bad, but people put a lot of effort into these movies and, you know, yeah. they, they, they were trying their, they were, they were trying their best. There was a lot of heart to it. It was just, I, I, I wasn't as amused with you guys. Better. The intentions were, you're like, you're like, oh, they're trying to do, I think I remember thinking as a kid, I was like, oh, how crass. It's just like, let's churn. What hasn't Stallone done yet? But that's like a physical right. competition. And I was like, this is such a parody of itself. And it is, but you can tell like there was like an effort to like make a father son story. And I remember as a kid being like, what is this? This movie's about everything but arm wrestling, but that's kind of yeah. what makes it. It gives it some, I don't even know if you want to say charm, but like, um, I'll give it, I'll give it props for that, for like actually trying to be something or tell a, 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 a sweet story of a father and his son. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'm, I want it to be, I want to be more charmed by it. I wasn't really charmed at all, but I'll stick yeah. with the five. I got, I might have to pause for a second. Um, That's okay. I got to pee. Cause yeah. I have, but actually, you know what? We should... I feel like we're on a roll. I feel like nothing's going to stop us now. So no. maybe we should just keep going then. Oh, Look at this. Go. Oh, the king oh, of the segue. Changing yeah. it up on us again. Tricking us. His powers <laughs> of acting. Us. His powers of acting are always stellar. This is why Fred is, uh, if you haven't heard, I don't know if you've this podcast before. He's, no, he's not a mannequin. He's on Broadway. No, he's on Broadway. He holds a mannequin in front of him. And he does like a show. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's you synergy. do, actually. But I am the Andrew McCarthy of the Pride Lands. But the puppet is also the same height as Estelle Getty. So there's so many overlaps. Overlaps. And she also has to be controlled manually. Mannequin. These days. These days. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Is she still with us? We've got bless no, her still getting. She's, she's dead. No, she's not. Yes. Are she's all the Golden the Girls passed. They're all yeah, gone. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yes. God. I think Betty that's, White was the last. That's right. Betty White Golden was the Girl, last, and she's gone. Yeah. Oh, mannequin. <laughs> sorry. Mannequin. Jonathan Switcher, 
Wrong sex. Loves to talk to his work. You know, you're the first thing that created and made me feel like an artist. Don't you like a new scarf? He never expected. Not especially. To hear it talk back. I really think I'm going crazy. I am so glad you're working here. I never thought they'd hire anyone stranger than me. You're the only one who could see me like this. To the rest of the world, he's a disaster. You're quiet. And she's a dummy. <laughs> you're magic. He's talking to the dummy again. Andrew McCarthy, Kim Cattrall. You know I would never bother you when you're getting a piece of wood. Mannequin. Andrew McCarthy is Jonathan Switcher, an unemployed artist who finds a job as an assistant window dresser for a large department store owned by Golden Girl star Estelle Getty. When Jonathan happens upon a particularly beautiful mannequin he creepily, obsessively designed at his previous job, she springs to life and introduces herself as Emmy, played by Kim Cattrall. An Egyptian princess <laughs> under an ancient spell. Despite interference from the store's devious manager, James Spader, inexplicably channeling John Lithgow's character from Santa Claus the movie, Jonathan and Emmy fall in love while creating eye-catching window displays which keep the struggling store in business. Also starring an energetically and stereotypically homosexual Meshach Taylor, Mannequin was curiously successful at the box office, taking in $6 million over its opening weekend, en route to a total gross of $42.7 million. Fred and Dan, what do you guys think of Mannequin? Fred, I'm sorry. I know I'll let you go in a second. I want you to go first. But but why did you have to cover your genitals with a pillow at the mere mention of Meshach Taylor? I'm just curious. <laughs> he literally did. A pillow came out of frame. He reached out of frame, got a pillow, lowered it down to his lap and, and patted it into place. The second, the microsecond you said the name Meshach Taylor. Taylor. You answered your own question there, Oh, Dad. okay. I understand. Me- Meshach or Meshach? Meshacked at this movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Jar Jar. Meshach is over there, but Meshacked. <laughs> How tongue deaf it can be. Anakin or Mannequin? <laughs> Misha, oh. know the difference. Uh, oh um, I did what I did was a little voiceover secret, Dan. Uh, called covering your boner with a pillow. No, it was um <laughs> I was it's very big in the voiceover world. Yeah. I was getting because you don't want it because if it's too big, then it hits the microphone. Oh, no, right. I was getting a lot of stomach noises, so I picked oh. up a pillow to try to cover my stomach noises. Really? Yes. That's sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. We'll who we'll find out. Only time, Only time will tell. So you were ba- so is that called baffling? Were you baffling your your stomach? I was noise? baffling was it- my bowels. Oh, in a, in I love it. Yeah, baffle your bowels, people. So. If you learn nothing else from this podcast, baffle your damn bowels. <laughs> Mannequin. Uh, I saw this movie in the theaters, probably opening weekend. I seem to remember seeing it with, uh, my, my ex-girlfriend, Nina. We weren't dating at the time. We just went as friends. And I, I think I saw it with a a bunch of friends, probably Damon and Josh and maybe Suds was there. I don't know. But Nina was there. I remember, uh, and I have a very clear memory of, of walking in the theater and walking out and just thinking it was not. No, I wasn't a fan then, but I want to say before anything, I mean, 
and you sort of alluded to this earlier. It's a crazy thing to think that the the best the best part of this movie, by far, is a Starship song. <laughs> yeah. Oscar nominated. This is an Oscar nominated movie because of the Starship song. And on a little sidebar, and and again, that's literally the best part of this movie is that song. And on a little sidebar, I want to go in defense of Starship. That song, and especially uh, 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 We Built Built the City... I think roundly considered maybe one of the worst songs ever. People really hate it. I'm going to just go on record. And they are. We built this city? I thought people liked it. Really? No, people love to bash that song. I've seen it on many lists as being one of the worst. You know, people consider it one of the worst songs ever, some of the worst lyrics. And I've gone on record before (laughs) with this. Is it a good song? No, but I defy you. If you're in a bar and that song comes on, you are going to fucking sing along. You like like Marconi dancing to the mambo. You are going (laughs) to shake your groove thing. It gets you going. So listen, all you fucking hipsters out there listening. Be like, oh, you don't know. I defy you. I defy you not to sing along to We Built the City. And I defy you not to get choked up and sing along to Nothing's Going to Stop Us Now. Give us a little We Built the City, Fred. Just like you did with we're Iron Maiden. We built the city. We built the city. Sorry, I just blew you out. No bathroom can do that. This was when it first, when the movie first started, I hadn't seen it in, in ages, ages. And it's a very, I'm finding it's, it's quite beloved by people. A lot of people really have, you know, they really enjoy it, uh, inexplicably so. But when it first started, I thought, you know, it starts in Egypt and it sells, you know, (laughs) tells you whatever the, the year AD or whatever it was. And then it says right before lunch. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. Uh, Is this, is this more clever in a Mel Brooksian way than I thought. Like, I don't I remember it. The world part one is yeah, what I, I, exactly. I thought there's yeah. going to be like history of the world. And then yeah. Kim Cattrall comes out as Egyptian. She's the least looking Egyptian woman. <laughs> yeah. And then the mother is like, you know, this old like Jewish yenta. Yeah, she's a yenta. And they're yeah. talking about the Pharaoh having hemorrhoids. And I'm going, oh, maybe this is much more Mel Brooksian and funny and like sort of stupid, silly than I thought. And that's it. And then it, it ends there. And the yeah. rest of it is just, whoa. Oh. Emmy, if I thought we women that could anyway change anything, don't you think I'd encourage you? No, 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 no. These are the times we live in. Mother, there's got to be a better way. Please, gods. Please, help me find it. Sure, 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 the Nile is overflowing. There is a wheat shortage. The Pharaoh has hemorrhoids. The gods have bigger things to worry about than you. It is not good. It's disturbing. <laughs> Andrew McCarthy is a disturbed individual in this. Um, I, 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 I mean, he's insane. He's insane. Uh, well, and I, I there's no heart to it. Uh, you know, as opposed to over the top where you sort of feel like, you know, okay, here's the guy who just wants to do good. You're like, what is, what do you really want to do? I guess they're playing the fact that he's an artiste. Yeah. 
but he's not because he can't do anything. Well, I guess it's without his muse. Mm. Uh, it's just, I, I like James Spader in it. I thought he Ooh. was. I enjoyed James Spader in it. He's literally he's doing John Lithgow. He's doing Santa Claus the movie. He's doing. That I thought character. he was going appropriately over the top, and he went with it and said, "You know what? I, this is bad. That's this is ridiculous. We're slumming it from Pretty in Pink. I'm just gonna have fun." Ah. And at least it was grounded in something like no. what's his name um, uh, uh, from Police Academy. Uh, uh, G.W. Bailey is that his name? Is that the actor's name? The yes, you're right. Guard? You're exactly right. He is from he is from Police Academy. Yeah, the, the, the store. Yeah, the that, store, that actor um, can only wear uniforms. The security uniforms. Guard. Yeah, he can only wear uniforms. He can only right. wear some sort of variation on a yeah. law. Yeah. Uniform. Oh God, I think they were. I don't know. Maybe they were trying to make like a a, a, a slapdash slapstick comedy, and it mm. just, ooh, it just fell short. Every single moment. I mean, it was, it was, it was, as the, as the kids say, it's, it's cringy. Some of the, the the gay slurs are where I kind of like, yeah, had a hard, I had a hard time uh, enjoying, you know, even the, the, the thin pleasures of this movie once some of those things came out and it's like, yeah, it's very much of the time and you know, whatever. But I was like, and, and it was the villain saying it, that security guard is a villain, you know, so he's yeah. calling him a Mary and this and that, but it was, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a product of its time, but I'm shocked to say that like, I'm like, this doesn't hold together as well as over the top. It's just, it's, it's, it is, it's a lot of music videos and a lot of like, mm-hmm nonsense and <laughs> that dance scene the dance scene was abhorrent I couldn't I just kept thinking the whole time how is no one embarrassed doing this well they're I f- I'm you know I mean they're probably embarrassed but they had to do it it was like dance we're making a music video it's just so again product of its time like just yeah. such a time capsule of like yeah. this is what you have to have in a movie you have to have people dancing I didn't dancing enjoy in a movie. it then either I remember not enjoying I, it I then remember, I think I liked it when I saw it I mean I can't remember now but I mean, I always thought of this as like a, cause it was a hit comedy. So you're it like, was. oh, it's a hit. But what is, what is legitimate? Who is legitimately funny in it? And what is legitimately funny about it? Meshach Taylor a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I thought James Spader was funny. funny. I thought James Spader was horribly like, offensive. I, this, uh, well, but I actually didn't think he was so offensive as like, the know. response to like, him. I thought he was just, you know what right. I mean? I've seen like flamboyant, sure, you know, flamboyant characters like before. that or yeah, people like I that. Guess it was you just, know? I don't think just, he was playing into it as much as it was. Uh, I mean, he was playing into it, but it was like he was just that person. And he's people, having fun. This movie is like. <laughs> There's a little bit of Lars and the real girl, right? There's that, like, because people are start accepting, like, this guy fucks mannequins and we're, yeah. we're that's just his thing and we're okay with it, which is kind of a beautiful message, right? And then the other, <laughs> the other movie I thought about, I was like, oh, it's Ratatouille. Like, he keeps, like, oh. he keeps, like, it's, like, it's like he's has no experience as a window dresser, a, 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 a designer yeah. in that, in that sense. And he keeps waking up in the morning and, like, like, oh, the window's done and it's beautiful. And it's like, you know, his uh, his muse did it for him. So it made me, yeah. that's what I was thinking. I was like, what's the equivalent? Oh, Ratatouille, I guess. Where it's like, I didn't really do anything, but uh, I'll take the credit for it. But then again, it was also ridiculous because it was like, I was like, people are like lining up on the streets for what? 
It's yeah, not like that's a Macy's what I said. window. There's like barely, and it's like, yeah, you get it's closer erratic. and you're like, oh, tennis rackets. Tennis rackets, that's what I wrote. Tennis rackets I was like, really, like, tennis rackets? I was like, really? But when you see it in a wide <laughs> shot, you're like, it just looks like a bunch of tennis rackets in a window. Why would people be lining up for it? I think it's a little closer. You're like, oh, it's clever. They're tennis racket heads watching a tennis game. But even that is like, you would not... You wouldn't, you wouldn't stop to, to, if you were a, a, a person living on the street, you wouldn't stop to shit in front of that window, much less stare at it or line up or buy tickets to it. It was, re- it could have been, you know, a now, little a more movie. fantastic. People constantly stopping to shit in front of it and being like, this is a good time to, good time to take a growler right here. <laughs> Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte stops in front of it. Yeah. It did have the tension anxiety filled line. We'll never dress the mannequins in time. <laughs> That's the movie, though. That's the movie. You got to know. Listen. Dan liked this one, too. I can tell. I can tell. Gentlemen. He liked it. Gentlemen. Yeah. I liked it. And here's the thing. I never. This one I had never seen a moment of. I don't think. Oh. Um, I had really never seen it. And so. You know, again, it's ticking those sort of 80s boxes. I liked the dance sequence. Ugh. I liked that montage of going through and just trying on all the different clothes. I mean, it's how many 80s movies have a let's try on clothes. And right, but they do it better. And let's have they, di- they do it better. This was not, there was nothing funny. There was nothing clever. There was nothing. It was just fucking weird. No, the whole thing was disturbing to me. Weird. It's a living mannequin running I, around a mall and they're trying, I, but it's, it's the moment where they, where they, they come together, you know, they, they have what I here are the things I liked about this. It's a it's an etern, it's a long sort of getting to know you sort of process before they actually do, you know, they do make love and he has sex with a mannequin. That's late <laughs> into the movie. But they really have to Thank know God. each other and become friends first and trust each other. And that and that's when does actually that kind of love through the montage, through the montage sequence and through what? and through her constantly coming back alive again. And 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 okay, it, oh she went away, she came back. She went away, she came back. The the that that I thought was lovely. <laughs> no. James Spader, she- I thought didn't know what movie he was in this is this is too even for mannequin or I disagree. Mannequin I think he knew exactly which I've never seen. Exactly I think he knew exactly what movie he was. I think no, James Spader no, no, no. is smarter than anyone. And look, no, I like Andrew McCarthy. I like him Cottrell. No. I think he knew exactly what movie he was no, in. No, and he went full freight with no, it again to use no, that no. term. I'm, I'm and he was like, fuck it, if we're going to do this, let's do this. If Meshach Taylor can go all the way, I'm going all the way with this. Meshach Taylor being Meshach Taylor. James Spader is going, uh, let me look at this dog shit screenplay where Estelle Getty, who's wonderful, is even phoning it in. She's okay. not wonderful. Uh, oh, she's not wonderful. That other yes. guy who plays the, where everyone seems to be pushing this to theatrical limits. Let me go. Let me be the guy who goes furthest. And it didn't work for me. We, we, my wife and I were watching this and going, what the hell does, what is James Spader think oh, he's he was doing? The, he was, it's, he was the only enjoyable part for way, me. Way, way too much. And I love James Spader, but this is way too much. And I, I just, I, that was, the, that was the part where I was like, I can't, I can't, how, I can't be part of this. How, how is anything way too sanction, much? I can't sanction the buffoonery well, of James Spader. It's mannequins coming to life. It's a mannequin coming to life. And designing a star, and the mannequin is a white woman from ancient <laughs> Egypt. I mean, a man who is an eternal failure is putting together the most magnificent window displays in this town. I mean, you say you hear voices, there's no one there. Just him and his dummies. Is someone helping him? Is he a ventriloquist? Some kind of mad genius? Here's why Kim Cattrall is lovely, okay? 
You watch what she's being forced to do in Porky's. Horrendous. But in this, she actually had the mannequin, believe it or not, has agency in this. She's sort of sure. the one who's in charge. She's sort of large and in charge in this she, thing. And she's wonderful. And that's a good message. What this movie reminded me of, you listed off some other movies. The one this reminded me of, as far as the Andrew McCarthy character, and I think this is the movie's main weakness, is offbeat. The same the same problem we had with Judge Reinhold is the problem I have with Andrew McCarthy's character in this, which is his life is fine. Look at his apartment. It's palatial. <laughs> Pala- that sh- overhead shot of Andrew McCarthy's apartment. I was like, is someone paying for him to live here? It is palatial. It's humongous. It's bigger than any place I've ever lived, including the place I live in currently. It is huge. And he's just sort of bopping around from 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 job to job and not really giving a shit that he just lost his previous job and the one before that and the one before that. Same thing like this is sort of the um, beginnings of sort of slacker comedy, right? Is this and offbeat and a couple of other things where it's like, eh, I guess I'll just I'll just keep rolling along. Nothing's really I'm kind of even keel. I'm kind of in the middle, middle of the road. Eh, I lose a job. I get a job. I have an apartment. It seems I got a pretty good life, whether I'm working or not. And, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, uh, an opportunity stumbles in front of my way. Okay, I'll let I'll stumble onto it. And then, boom, something amazing happens for that person. That is a weird, weird 80s thing that we've seen a few times now, uh, probably most prominently in Offbeat, but it's it's really prominent. Which here is a sentence like, that's never been uttered on any other movie podcast before, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Nor should it be. But this, the, but this guy really doesn't have any life problems, and that's the movie's weakness. He's not in desperation zone by the time he meets the mannequin. He's not being about to be <laughs> evicted and kicked out on the streets and and losing everything and losing his girlfriend. His girlfriend's still kind of into him and, and interested, you know. For me, I was charmed by it. I was charmed by the baby. Oh, wait, that's baby's day out. I was charmed <laughs> by by their relationship. I was uh, I was in eighties, you know, eighties <laughs> silliness heaven in this thing. I was like, yeah, this is eighties comedy silliness. Did I laugh out loud? I laughed out loud during this more than some of the other movies we've watched that were uh, uh, alleged comedies, alleged rom-coms. You know, there were more. I laughed at Adam Ishak uh, and his silliness. I thought Estelle Getty was phoning it in. This is not as high. This is not into over-the-top territory for me, but it's definitely recommendable. But again, uh, like I think what we said before, what you said before, Jason, is good. It's sort of that late. It's that midnight movie. Let's get let's remember the 80s and how silly these yeah. things were and all of the sort of boxes that get ticked off in an 80s movie it's ticking off all those boxes you have to kind I, of see rather, it in the context uh, this, but i'd rather be reminded of the 80s with like a fast times or ridgemont high or sure. oh, those, or those something are else this genre those are beyond those go beyond the genre those are also timeless this, you know, too. this is you know, the worst yeah. of the 80s to me i oh, I, no, I, no, I wasn't no, charmed fred, no, at disorderlies all. fred this is <laughs> not, although 1987 uh, man i think 1987 had the most worst movies of the eight. I mean it's got it's got disorderlies yeah. this Ooh. who's that girl uh, fucking um, oh, what's the other one, one. Oh, masters Madonna, of the right? universe there's a lot of bad ones in 1987 yeah. has a, a wealth of bad movies but um well you, you you've said this you've said the issue with the movie is that he doesn't have any problems he's not fighting I mean it should be right. that he's like that the idea of 
If if the if there was even a, a, a sliver of a nugget of an idea of that he was like, this is fucked up. I can't be in love with a mannequin. I can't. I can't love you. I can't. You're not real. But there's never That's that. That's what I mean. There's He's insane. That. He's just He's like, got mental Yay. issues and no one discusses the, it. The man who comes to life at night. He's a, he's a creative uh-huh. art. He has creative soul. He believes in the uh, the power oh, of the okay. uh, the power of the something. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm going to sit on the, uh, I, I mean, uh, we may not be ready for Sheila's, but I'm going to. No, I'm we're ready sit, for Sheila's. I'm going right to sit right on. talk about? It's I'm going to sit right on the on the five line. I, I had written down, I was like, is this a four, a five, a six? I was like, no, question it's a mark, three. question mark, question mark. Ooh, that's it's harsh. Three. That's harsh. That. I'm going to go five just to be like, I'm not recommending it or not recommending it. It happened to my eyeballs and I, I was fine <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> You I know do, what? I do it, like it, James it, it, Spader. I liked him. I liked him too. And to your point, Jason, with the nostalgia, I mean, sorry, Dan, with the nostalgia thing, maybe that's what it is too, because there are movies like Weird Science we've discussed where it's yeah. like, I remember seeing it when it came out. I loved it for whatever stupid reason. So now I sort of give it a pass, even though it's maybe not a good movie. I have that feeling of nostalgia, but I do remember not liking this even then yeah, and walking you. out feeling like, Ooh, that was stupid. Like I just didn't buy it. So it's like, I'm, I'm nostalgic. I'm having that same nostalgia, which yeah. is filled with disdain for what I saw. <laughs> so cool. no, I'm keep not it you once liked. Yes. Yeah, I want to give it a two, but I'll give it a three. Ooh. I don't know. I You know yeah, what? I ooh. keep saying the John Lithgow uh, comp, as the kids say, the comp between John Lithgow and, and James Spader in this. Oh. He's actually more a combination of John Lithgow and Santa Claus. And do you remember Martin Short's character, Nathan Thurm on yes, Saturday Night Live? Yes, very much so. Yeah, he's doing it. Yeah. He's got a little, oh, it's like, yeah. it's like, yeah. it's like. A combination of those two from mm-hmm. from the from the look of the characters to yep. the the various ticks. He's like a combination of those yeah. two performances. And I and I think as like a very young brat packer, like playing being like he's probably playing the guy as like 10 years older than he is or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's I just thought it was funny. He's like just shows James Spader is a he's a real actor. He's a funny guy. He's he he's definitely uh, he's is. so he's having mm-hmm. fun because he's like, oh, I don't I don't have to like, you know, blow out my hair and be like the bad boy or the or the sensitive soul or the whatever trope I might be playing in another movie of of this era. When I, you know, the thing I'm normally hired to the do, I get thing. to be a real character in this right. ludicrous thing. And I, I, I yeah, no, I, he's my favorite thing about about the movie. And Kim Cattrall is I, I, again. Andrew McCarthy, I think he's charming. He's fine. I'm not a fan of Andrew McCarthy, but I, he wasn't offensive to me in this. I do think Estelle Getty was phoning it in. I think Meshach Taylor was fine, fun. You know, he's, he's Meshach Taylor. He's what I remember him as. The guy but, who uh, runs the other store was really bad. That guy. Oh, he, yeah, yes. He's not good. He's a and Robert, Roxy, he, the girlfriend, was really bad. She, too. Was, she was not good. Yeah, he's like a Robert Wool type, that guy, but he's not Robert Wool. I don't know who it yeah. is, the, uh, the owner of the store. But Kim Cattrall. Lovely, lovely, charming, lovely. I, I like her. I liked her very much. I thought she did a really good job for what she had to do in this. I like that she says, I was born in, she's an ancient Egyptian soul who says, I was born in blah, 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 BC. <laughs> like like she would, <laughs> she would have that great. awareness. But she would say um, that. But she would say that is funny. What are you, Danny? Did you say? I'm so sorry. I haven't said yet. And gentlemen. Oh, shit. Oh, I'm God. not. In, I'm not in over the top. I gave over the top of seven point five. I'm gonna go for mannequin seven. 
Enjoyed it. How do you say I'm not in over the top territory and then you're like 0.5 away from over the top? Get the fuck out of here. You are in over the top territory. Uh, I was um, charmed by Just meet him halfway, Jason. Meet Uh, him halfway. Across this guy. This guy being a mannequin who charmed me. I love Kim Cattrall. I think she's, I think she gets a bad rap these days. I don't know what happened. There's some sort of flap between her and the other Sex and City people. She can get along with her. Yeah. Yeah. uh, There's some sort of flap there. I don't know what happened, but I just, I'm, I'm also partial to her because she's in, um, Star Trek six and she's great. (laughs) Star Trek, anything. That's right. I'm partial. Um, yeah, I didn't, I, I, same situation. I like Meshach Taylor. I didn't, I was, I don't feel the same way about Jane Spader's performance in this, but I like him as an actor and I appreciate him, him, you know, um, making choices. I always do that. I always appreciate when actors make choices. It just didn't, didn't work. I was, I was, you know, like, Oh, get this guy out of here. But, um, lots to like in this movie, gentlemen, so much to like. And, uh, Oh, wait, wait, another thing. Another thing we like is when, we get a call. <gasps> Listen. <gasps> From the heaven phone. Oh, it's been oh. it's been several several days, weeks, months, possibly a year since a legitimate call. Hello, you're on the opening weekend podcast. It's the heaven phone. Hello from the great beyond. Who are you? And uh thank you for, for calling in. Uh, it's another one of my movies this week. It's, uh, it's so far, it's Jagged Edge. Uh, something else I can't remember now. This Mr. Loja, it's so great to hear from you. How yeah, are I felt the tan emanating from the phone. It was about time. It was tan. I had to do a lot of tanning for this to out tan Stallone. Let me tell you. Let me tell you that right now. You were. You were tan. You were much tanner than than Stallone. I thought. I actually wasn't thought I though. And that's not makeup. That is not. That is actually. Oh, it's all Loja. All the time, my actual Loja, melanin. I Loja, upped my melanin. Loja, give me the phone for oh, a second. For, for, you know, the Richard now, Thornsworth is here. You're not, even in, you're not even in this movie, Reggie. I was supposed to play the mannequin. <laughs> we were in talks. <laughs> no, and this this is true. And I was supposed to play the mannequin, and Redford uh, was going to uh, direct. That can't uh, be true. You were just upset because they didn't offer you the spader role, Loja. You were too tan. I you was. Up the white balance for the DP. <laughs> I, it was supposed to be about an old tractor farmer who stumbles into a barnyard and finds the corpse of another old tractor farmer played by me. He thinks it's a mannequin and he makes love to it. The corpse comes alive and gives him the power of arm wrestling. And then he's able to use it. It was it was a convoluted script, and that's why we you said think- no. You think it was convoluted? I don't know. I can't. I, I can't. You know, if Menachem Golan's on board, then you've got my. You, I'm in. I'm signing on the dotted line. But that script, I don't think. Uh, were, you yeah. paid, oh. were you paid well for this, Mr. Loja? Were you? Yeah, paid, I'm uh, an Oscar no. nominee yeah. for Jagged okay. Edge. And you know, you saw that <laughs> no, movie. No, I know. I just didn't know. You know, I mean, I don't know if you speak about the uh, the ins and outs of uh, your your deals when. Uh, Speaking when, of when the ins and outs, Frankie Pentangeli, what are you doing up here? He's a, this movie has nothing to do with you. Hey, listen, Richard Farnsworth can't be the only wheezy, gaspy dead guy up here. I mean, we used to, I used to all wrestle back in, in the day with 
You're Michael Corleone's father. Did you really? Yeah, you go, you go over the top. You go over the bottom. Over <laughs> the bottom. Over the bottom. Sure, why not? As long as the winner takes you off. And a guy who's just barely over the bottom, Ed Burns. Why? Why? Why are you in heaven again? Why is he I, told, I told you last time, Frankie and uh, Robert. I told you last time because my because my career is dead. That somehow I've been he, relegated to uh, to to heaven. He, he's uh, actually amazing. listen. Ed Burns is doing pretty well for himself. Am I? <laughs> Is he? Yeah. Is he? Why, yeah, he's got a show to? on Bridges what's and his... Bridges and Tunnels, Bridge and Tunnels oh. that he directed. Uh, Ed, you're Eddie, listen, I, you might have been relegated to heaven just because of uh, and a tunnel. <laughs> maybe Dan. Dan's views of you have sent you there, but I, I, I think you're, uh, you're still alive and well, Mister Burns. Thank you, thank you very yeah. much. I don't know why. So I'm if you're this... if you're corporeal, uh, the, the corporeal version of you is listening right now. I'm a fan. I don't know what that and word I'm, means, I'm, but and it I'm fully available delicious. to be in Bridgeton Town. I love some corporeal in my uh, in my on, to top my uh, streusel to top my pudding. I don't know what corporeal means. I don't know what words mean. I'm a screenwriter. Did I mention? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It sounds like a topping. When we can live in the understand when people sing on this, it gets cut. Fantastic, take it over. Take over. When it takes us all, when it takes us all, that's a show, why not? Did the phone went dead. Did the phone go dead? I hope it went dead. It's gone. They're gone. It'll, it'll, it will have gone dead. <laughs> it will have. That probably would not have won the $100 in your talent show. <laughs> I love that a fictional character hangs out with them up there. That has nothing to do with anything ever. I just love that so much. This, well, we've established that happens in uh, here on, I mean, tote running around you. with uh, with uh, Oscar nominees and winners. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? It's uh, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's the multiverse, gentlemen. It's the multiverse. It's the magic of opening weekend. Let's put it that way. It it's is. Yeah. Oh, cut anything I said that didn't make sense. Like streusel topping. I don't know where that came from. That was fantastic. I don't know what, what part what. of me I it's thought. Just I thought. Corporeal, and I thought, you know what I was thinking was compote when he said corporeal, and that's why I went to that's oh why I went God. to compote, which took me to to cobbler, which took me to streusel. What a stupid son of a bitch! Thank you so much for joining us for another well worth the wait episode of Opening Weekend. Uh, be sure to join us next time, and it will be sooner, I promise, when we will revisit one of our favorite movie years, 1984, and the major releases of March 8th, Ron Howard's Splash, starring Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah, Hotel New Hampshire, starring Rob Lowe, never seen that, and Children of the Corn, starring Malachi from Children of the Corn. <laughs> That's next time on Opening Weekend. Danny. What you got for us? Oh my God! All right, I think got I got a lot do of good a, stuff a little, this week. A little medley, yeah. I got to do a little medley of uh, "Meet Me Halfway" across this guy, and then a little, uh, a little. Nothing's gonna stop us now, right? Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Let me, let me warm up because it's been a while, and my hands are cold today. They're a little cold. Okay. <laughs>
Turn okay. the hat around. There we go. Oh, wait. Let me turn the hat around. Okay. <laughs> there you we sit go. sit up nice and tall. I'm looking you in the eye, Fredo. <sighs> Get a little. And then someone comes in and says, ready, aim. I don't know what they say. <laughs> to start to. <laughs> ready, aim, fire. Ready, aim, hand for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's the song? Meet me halfway. Did you hear that? He was hand farting over there. Thank you, Menachem. We got the ADR. I think we're all set now. Thank you, Menachem. Oh, that was over the top and through the back. And under the bottom. Up the side. <laughs> under the bottom. See? That's what you pay for here. In, oh, you don't pay for this. You don't pay for this. <laughs> so what are you complaining about? I know. You're sitting there listening. You're like, yeesh. Is how they're going to end it? Yeah, we are. And we'll see you in three months. <laughs> <laughs> you insensitive asshole. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. What a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs>